they said, oh, you should have been offered that. And I said, I wasn't. And they were like, oh, it's probably because of COVID. They just have less testing and less offering of all these things. I remember listening to your podcast and being like, you know what? No one's going to advocate for me right now during COVID. No one's going to ask me for it. There is probably so many people who are falling through the cracks in this whole process, in their whole pregnancy, because that may be like me, their, their first pregnancy. They don't know any different. They were never pregnant pre-COVID, so they don't know what it's like normal. Giving birth is one of the most significant events of your life. Sadly, the joy that you should feel can often be replaced with anxiety and helplessness instead. As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm revealing insider information to educate you, reassure you, and decrease your fear. In this podcast, you'll hear empowering birth stories and experts weigh in on a range of topics. Being Jewish also has me exploring Judaism's influence on the reproductive experience. However, I speak to anyone wishing to navigate their journey with more joy and confidence. I'm your host, Hani Fingerer, and you're listening to the Happy Birthway Podcast. Welcome to episode 42 of the Happy Birthway Podcast. I'm not going to take a long time saying hello to you. I'm, we're going to go straight to part two of Tanya Hanna's birth story in the UK. If you didn't listen to episode 41, the prior episode, then you should go back and listen to that one first. And just as a refresher, we left off where Tanya found out that her placenta was small and not providing adequate nutrients to her baby, and therefore her baby would need more monitoring. Enjoy the episode. And I was like, well, why um, couldn't I have tested it before? And they said, oh, you should have been offered that. And I said, I wasn't. And they were like, oh, it's probably because of COVID. They just have less testing and less offering of all these things. And I have to say, this is a great example, unfortunately, of where it's a secondary effect of the pandemic in terms of health outcomes, where it's not just affected people who actually got COVID and had severe disease and death from it, but there was a lot of stuff that, because medical visits were limited, you know, in, in not just prenatal, but, you know, cancer patients and so many other areas where people did not seek medical treatment because of the pandemic, where there was no availability. And this was you know, the, this was the fallout from the pandemic, you know, so many, you know, far reaching effects of it. So this is a great example. Yeah. And it's exactly why I remember literally, I think um, it was a bit earlier than this. But I remember listening to your podcast and being like, you know what, no one's going to advocate for me right now during COVID. No one's going to ask me for it. There is probably so many people who are falling through the cracks in this whole process of like um, in, in their whole pregnancy, because they that may be like me, their, their first pregnancy, they don't know any different. They were never pregnant pre-COVID, so they don't know what it's like normal. But I actually have a lot of interest in the medical field. I always was very interested in midwifery and, I don't know, in like the healthcare system in general. I mean, I love medical dramas. So like, <laughs> I just, I, so I feel like I know a bit. So like, I see, th- I think of things and I'm like, okay, maybe this is not oh, right. This is not on. I should like, ask and ask and ask and ask but there's totally people that I know like they would just be like told something and be like oh okay and accept it mm-hmm. but I just remember like thinking no I'm gonna advocate for myself and be like no I want this I need this this is this is important and they're like oh okay fine we'll do this for you that's why childbirth education those who receive childbirth education have better outcomes and this is why yeah but they need to be the educated before they're pregnant to start with because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. how else would I have known like at the beginning I was like no I know I need to get tested for this blood clotting thing I know I have anemia I know I have all these things like test me test me and they were like oh okay fine but really with COVID you shouldn't really be coming into the hospital and I'm like yeah but like 
I'm so scared of like anything like of not going and like it something else happens worse like yeah um, we need to use our critical thinking and and it's been so like stunted where it was this black and white thinking of all we care about is preventing people from getting covid but what are the other effects of you know the these policy changes on on other areas where you know yes maybe we're limiting more people so we are decreasing the uh, risk for transmitting infection but mm-hmm. again, we're decreasing the risk. We're not we're not eliminating it completely. And what yeah. is that decrease in risk? Um, how does that weigh against people not getting other tests that they need? It, it totally exactly. Um, so yeah. So then after that, I was referred to a fetal cardiologist um, clinic and in a different hospital, not my local one, um, nearer like to central London. And that was like a really big hospital. I've never seen such a big hospital. Literally, like needed a map to go around. And I remember sitting there for like forty minutes. They had this fetal echocardiogram, fetal echocardiogram, on, yes, which yeah. is a very thorough look. It's also through ultrasound. It's a very thorough look at at the baby's mm-hmm. heart anatomy specifically. Yeah. So the lady there was so lovely and kind. Like you really appreciate like in these type of scenarios, like. Um, I've not had so much, thank God, issue, um, issues that I've needed to have a lot of mental uh, medical health. But um, they were, were really, they, they literally put, this lady, I remember, she put me so at ease. She was like, okay, there is some sort of, like, arrhythmia, but it's very common. She's like, my son even had it. It will, it, very often it's, it goes away throughout your pregnancy. Sometimes babies are born still with it, but they grow out of it. Um, if we feel like um, it needs to like but when when the baby is born that it still has it um then it'll just be monitored for an extra 24 hours um with uh, like probably have an, uh, probably an echocardiogram i don't i don't know yeah thank just God under she the didn't yeah under a specialist yeah. you know purview mm-hmm. yeah so this is at like 25 26 weeks um, and she said you know what i want you to go in every week to your local midwife and just have it monitored literally five minutes just to have it monitored and I was like okay you know what that's like pretty put me at ease she's like no not just for your ease just but like for us to know um and I was like okay fine so she's like sent a letter to my my local midwifery team they never got back well I was like like emailed like cc but they never got back so i basically had to fight for this i called like i felt really bad i called their bosses on them i didn't really call their boss but i called like the hospital that's like in charge of them and i was like i need this and they're not offering it to me they tell me that they don't have time and that with covid like they, they have less time and i'm like i literally fought for it and like i, I remember somebody being like ah just like told me like it's fine just like don't bother they're not gonna like give it to you and i fought for it and the first time i went there my midwife was like not very happy about doing this she was like oh you know I'm very busy and I'm like I'm always going to be here on time like they never waited for me or anything like I went every Thursday at like 11 a.m for like from 25 weeks till I gave birth every single week I was there it was really like emotionally exhausting and physically exhausting I had to get there stay there they usually ran late because these things always run late and I had my five-minute appointment always like like waiting for it to happen like like, oh my gosh, it, it, how's it going to be this week? But you know what? And like, in hindsight, it's like, I got to hear her a bit, like, every single week. Like, people don't get that because they don't yeah. need to. Yeah, but, but this I, was I a did. specialist recommendation also. Right. And I'm sorry but, about that pushback. I'm sure myself, as 
a, a healthcare professional in this specific area, I still would have felt bad and I still would have been second guessing myself. Like, is this necessary? It's terrible. Yeah, so she was like, oh, it's not necessary. Like, I don't have time for this. Um, the schedule's very packed. Like, it's a lo- the local area is like a lot of from people. So she's like, lots of women having babies. And I'm like, I know, but, but what can I problem. do? This is all this. Like, this is yeah, your this baby. Is what they and, me and, yeah. And I just want to ask you, like, if you weren't happy with their care, do you have in the, the healthcare system an option to switch to a different midwife or not? Um, well, within the same team, I could have asked for a different mm, midwife. Okay. I would nef- wouldn't necessarily have done that because I feel like they're like sisters. Um, so they, would, yeah, they wouldn't would be too happy. Other, right. Basically. Um, but um, the, the, the first time she was like a bit like, mm. but after that, I think because I was quite pleasant towards her, she, exactly. she, was, she warms up to me. She's like, oh, how are you doing this week? Um, and it was actually quite somebody who's like quite paranoid and um what's it called like when you're when you're like really hypochondriac (laughs) it actually really soothed me to know that I was getting seen every week even though it was just listening to the like the heartbeat and the Doppler um it literally did calm me and then eventually thank god this was 25 weeks by 35 weeks she didn't detect anymore so which literally made me so happy and she was like, yeah, it doesn't happen anymore. She's like the woman who detected it to start with. So she like, she should know what she's talking about. Um, so that made me really happy. So, the, so my daughter didn't have to be taken away from me for 24 hours after she was born because it was already cleared, which thank God I was so grateful about. But in the meantime, every time I went, she used to like measure me with, which I call prehistoric tape measure, mm-hmm. like measure my bump. And which is yeah, which is done throughout every practice. Doctors make is it yeah. really? Mm-hmm. I think it's like okay. Yeah, so it I know it's funny, stress. but the amount of centimeters correlates with the amount of weeks of pregnancy. Right. Yeah. And so it's a less invasive t- way of measuring the baby's growth over an ultrasound, which both both have a place, but it, um, you know, it's no. Less invasive. So no. I do get why it's done. Um, it reminds me a bit of Call the Midwife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite shows, and. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for the last five weeks and I still went there every single week she was like okay it's I'm it's measuring very it's measuring small like it hasn't grown and I'm like telling her like I'm feeling pains in my ribs I feel like it's really internal and she's like no 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 it's not growing it's not growing and so she referred me to get a scan in the local hospital like an ultrasound so and this is every Thursday when I had an appointment with her. So every Friday I'd have to go there for an appointment. I was really like nervous, like it's before Shabbat. And but they were like, she she's like, no, it's not growing. And I was remembering what this other lady said, the the sonographer about how it was small. So I was just very nervous. She's like, yeah, it's 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 not growing. You're not growing. And I'm like, oh, okay, what can I do? Like literally nothing. But yeah. every time I went there, every Friday, they did a scan, and she was always like, no, it's fine. It's measuring fine. Mm. Literally every. But she still kept sending me back and back. And she's like, mm. and I'm not gonna be like, I wasn't gonna be like, um, they said it was fine last week. Why am I going back again? Because I was just like, you know what? I don't want to say no to her when she like did me a favor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, <laughs> so, and, and no, but also you don't want to have regrets. So yes, well, no, this is hard. This is not. a temporary thing in in your life yeah. that that takes extra time. But yeah, and and just on this topic, we call this IUGR intrauterine growth restriction. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons, first of all, the best way to diagnose it is to do serial scans. So not just like a one-time thing, oh, your baby's small, because we can track the growth and if the baby's 
growth curve drops, then yes. that's one of the ways to, you know, to tell that this baby's not really growing inside of the uterus for maybe an unknown reason, but um, it, it's to help us determine like when should the baby be born? Maybe the baby will grow better on the outside. And we use research to generate right. that, yeah. So that's what happened. And she was always like, no, it's fine. I remember one of the last appointments, the midwife telling me, she's like, no, it's, I'm telling you, it's measuring small. Don't expect more than, f- you work by pounds, right? Don't, don't expect more no, than we, five we pound baby. Grams. When the baby is oh, born, do you? yeah, when the baby is born, we, we measure by grams, yeah. Okay, so they, they do both. They tell you both here, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, so we, she was we kind just of like, do too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she was like, don't expect more than five pounds by tiny baby is like the size that the shops have here that it's like smaller than newborn basically right so I buy a tiny baby and I was like okay fine but you know what I don't want to buy too many tiny baby because I wanted to grow so mm-hmm. I just bought plain white ones even though I knew I was having a girl but I was just like um, I'll buy a few white ones and um, I, it's funny so I was due three days after Tisha birth and throughout, um, throughout the last couple of months of my pregnancy, I went to what's called antenatal classes with this really lovely woman. Anybody listening from London, I'll tell you her name. She was amazing. Um, what's her name? Uh, oh, Sippy Krause. Sippy Krause. She's okay. great. She does what's called the Swiss method. Yes, I've heard, heard of, heard of that. Yes. Now, she is this funded by the NIH? No. Okay. Uh, no. You have to be NHS? No, no, no. no. NHS, yeah, yeah. Sorry, this is not like, the NIH. The yeah, NHS. yeah. She's. I don't think, maybe she's a doula, but she's not a midwife or, or something. I, I mean, right. she just does it from her house, and it's okay. just like a bunch of, like... No, because I'm, I'm really wondering, nice. I believe very much in, in funding prenatal education, which is not routinely done here. So I was just wondering if the NHS funds it. I, not that I don't you know, know of. They, okay. they definitely have, like, pamphlets and stuff, and they could probably... I don't know what it was like Yeah, but not real hands-on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I see so, what you mean. Okay. I have no idea what it was like then. Even then, like, I think my sister, like... Most people want to go to, like, a Jewish antenatal class here. Mm-hmm. So I went to this lady, and it was really, really, really lovely. She, like, taught us, like, things that I thought I knew. Like, I, I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't know as much as when she taught, when she taught us. And she taught us... And now the girls, like, I remember, like, they... A lot of them, they, they didn't have a lot of knowledge. Like, they didn't know what, like, an episiotomy was. They didn't know, like, what an epidural was. They didn't know any of these things. And it, like, really helped them. They were like, what? What's an episiotomy? They do that? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, um, but and also it was nice to get to know people mm-hmm. from, like, the area of yes. having babies at the same yes. time. Like, now I'm still friendly with them. And from there, I actually... Um, met somebody who went to an antenatal yoga class and I joined it and mm. I definitely think it helped me. I After that I bought myself a yoga ball and I was bouncing and mm. it, it was so relaxing and it also like literally make like, I don't know, it made me like co- um, come into contact with my body. Like I just like, I don't know, I felt myself like, you know, mm-hmm. like in that moment I can't describe it very well. No, no. Yes, it's, it's body mechanics and learning your body, learning yeah. movement and Antenatal yoga or prenatal yoga, how we call it here in the states, yeah, yeah. is um, is very different from regular yoga. You have to move your body yeah. in different ways, and it mm-hmm. facilitates um, birth. Um, and it, it's it's a very different form of yoga. Not only is it safer, but it actually helps facilitate your body's um, capacity to birth and and the making room for the baby so and it can help you with with labor as well so it, it i and, highly recommend uh, yeah and with with common discomfort so it's it's a different kind of yoga and um yeah it it, it get, helps you get in touch with your body because you need to be in touch with your body when you're birthing 
Yeah, and she also talked to us about um, perinatal massage, which I never even heard of before, mm -hmm. and I really do also think that that helps in me. And she also taught us about like um, lactation massage before one of the last couple of weeks mm -hmm. of your pregnancy. She's like, you're gonna collect liquid gold. Some yes. people say that we afterwards. Call it colostrum hand. We call it harvesting, colostrum harvesting. Yeah, before pregnancy, so before birth. It was. I couldn't imagine how it would work, but it actually did, and like yeah. that liquid gold came out. Yeah. I didn't save it because I was just a bit like, I don't know how to do this. But there are kits that you can ask your local midwife to like sit, yeah. um, mm -hmm. to save it and to like freeze it, which apparently it's like got like the best nutrition that there mm -hmm. possibly is for the baby. Yeah. But I also think that doing that really helped me to when when it came to feeding like I, it, my baby seven months and I just I introduced her like to solids at five and a half but I still exclusively breastfed she's never had a bottle she doesn't even know how to have a bottle mm -hmm. <laughs> but obviously that happens I mean it's different for everyone but I definitely think it helped me I don't mm -hmm. any different but to be honest I, I I highly rate that so um yeah so I was due three days after Tisha B'Av and I remember like a few weeks before asking, um, my husband asked the rabbi, I've been like, does she have to fast? And he's like, don't ask me yet. Maybe like, let's see a couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't know, I put his accent on. And a week before, like, does she have to fast? He's like, yeah, she does. And I'm like, no. Everyone in my antenatal class got a heter from their rabbi, but me, like there's 10 girls. And I'm like, what? I'm gonna fast? Like, thank God I'm a good faster. And then my mom was like, you know what, you'll fast? It'll come out that night. Like, it happened apparently to my great-grandmother. She had my grandfather the night of Tisha B'Av because she fasted. There was and a, I was in like, Israel, there were studies done. There was a slight, slight um, increase in births. After. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean it will happen for everyone. And, uh, of course, you want to be cautious because fasting can make you very dehydrated, which is not a good, um, you know, state yeah. to go into labor in. But, and, you know, obviously not having had food but there is a slight increase in um births yeah yes so um i was like all the girls in my class were like why why are you gonna fast and i'm like that's what my rabbi said well to be honest i realized because i was due before any of them so i would have been basically i would have felt full time i was just three days gonna be due three days later so like it's not dangerous for me to give birth there as opposed right, to some of them which right. would have been 35, 36 weeks, it's not, labor, right. right, so that's why, like, I reasoned, I was like, yeah, my rabbi knows best, so Tisha was on a, started a Motzei Shavu Sunday, I don't remember this year, I think so, it's, yeah, Sunday, and I remember the whole, like, Shabbat, I was in my brother's house, I was staying there, because my parents were there, and they had aircon, that's, like, the main reason, it was, like, hot, and I was, like, nine mm. months pregnant, downing so much coconut water, and, like, um, all having, like, dates, and waterman i had like everything like that I could, I could think of and then i remember the fast it was on a sunday and my niece she's like 20 she was like i can't anymore and it was like 2 p.m and i'm like so chilled i didn't feel anything <laughs> like it literally was like my easiest fast first of all everyone didn't let me leave a no one let me lift a finger so that was also great i just sat down there it was very very chilled and then waiting to came out whole night i was like something's gonna happen tonight something's gonna happen nothing um and I was due that Wednesday nothing I went to my auntie I mean I went to my my midwife appointment on Thursday and she's like we'll do something I don't know if you guys call it a sweep it's called because she said I, I was very low down um 
And I remember that pressure, my gosh, it was like, oh, couldn't name more. <laughs> so she did a sweep. She's like, oh, that was a really good sweep. I mean, I don't know what classifies as a good one, but I was just like, okay. I remember thinking she was so gentle. And I was like, wow, like do as much as you think you need. Like, I want this baby out. It's too hot. I can't anymore. Like late July. And then also she told me to go for a scan. So I went in for it because it was small. Before we continue, I wanted to let you know about a revolutionary diaper brand called Diaper, D-Y-P-E-R. These eco-friendly diapers are made with viscose from bamboo, so they're soft on your baby's skin while still being extra absorbent to handle your baby's biggest accidents. Diaper wants to pass on the savings directly to you by cutting out the middleman. They ship your diapers to you for a low, predictable price with no extras or gotchas. Set your subscription and let them deliver the exact quantity you need. If you need more, they'll deliver them promptly with their exclusive SOS service. If you need less, send them back with a prepaid label. You can precisely manage your deliveries using their website or their mobile app. One of the products that I think is really cool is their Diaper Sense. It's a small sensor that you attach to your baby's diaper and it continuously monitors the temperature and humidity surrounding their skin. It will help you optimize your diaper changes, reduce overall diaper use, and may help reduce instances of skin rash due to prolonged exposure to moisture. All you do is snap it to the outside of the diaper and connect it to diapers app. It will notify you when number one or number two happens. Subscribe through the link in my show notes and you will get a free bonus diaper bag just for trying them out. You can cancel any time with knob obligation, but still keep the bag. KiwiCo crates are a monthly subscription of crates that come filled with age-appropriate STEAM projects for kids, from toddlers to teenagers and even adults. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. Every crate explores a different theme designed to spark creativity, thinking, and learning. All projects, inspiration, and activities are created by a team of product designers in-house and rigorously tested by kids. KiwiCo offers all different product lines spanning a variety of interests and age ranges. Panda Crate is for babies from 0 to 24 months. Each crate helps babies learn by doing what they do best, playing, exploring, and most importantly, interacting with the people in their lives. Crates arrive every other month and are filled with two months worth of content. So if you're trying to figure out what a developmentally appropriate way to interact with your baby is, Panda Crates will take the guesswork out. For an exclusive 30% off discount on your first month subscription, go to kiwico.com, that's K-I-W-I-C-O.com, and enter code LEARN30 at checkout. That's kiwico.com, code LEARN30 at checkout. So I went in for a scan on Friday and they're like, no, it's not small, but your placenta is deteriorating and we think you should be induced. And I was like, oh, no. Um, But we'll schedule it in, come Sunday night in and we'll induce you Monday. So that whole Shabbat, I was just like, it's going to happen on Shabbat for sure. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. And then um, Sunday evening, I went, I literally remember saying bye to my family, like, next time I see you guys, I'll have a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I went in Sunday night with my husband who had to take a COVID test before and wasn't allowed to leave until we left. Like we both had to take COVID tests. We weren't allowed to leave the building until we were leaving with the baby, basically, because of COVID. And... Um, they did so they, so they got me so I got there and they measured me she said you're one centimeter dilated already and I was like amazing like I she's like don't feel any pains I'm like nothing I'm waiting for what's all this contractions everyone's going on about yeah. I don't know what that means <laughs> um and she's like okay fine we're gonna put some sort of 
see if this is why I don't remember the name. Mm-hmm. She's like, we'll put some sort of gel there to soften your cervix. And we'll see what happens in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's not so used, like I mean, I, I, at least where I worked and from my friends, it's not used commonly um, in my area. Again, that's not to say in other areas in the U.S. It's called PG gel, but it, it what it does is it ripens the cervix. Yeah. Yeah, something, yeah, exactly. She never actually told me the name. Like I said, they never tell you the names. Um, and then the next one, I literally remember like waking up at 3 a.m. being like, oh my gosh, has anything happened yet? I'm like so desperate. Like I knew that something was happening tomorrow. I was just so excited. And my husband was in like the little camp bed that they put for him snoring away and I was like uh like we went to bed at like 10 30 and the next morning we he didn't wake up till like seven and I was like he's like had a proper good sleep and like I was up from three looking at my watch being like when is it seven o'clock because I knew that the the midwife would come in at seven to yeah. like to, to reassess everything, to reassess everything. Mm-hmm. and then she's like you're one and a half centimeters and I was like no only yeah. half do they warn you so, about that it takes longer than beginning yeah oh for the whole I mean I'm the youngest of five and my husband's also the youngest of five and so when our siblings are married and they're all like yes the first one took me three days of labor this one yeah and not just and not just the first baby but actually early labor takes can take a long time because remember they're doing to your body um, in a shorter amount of time what your body may be doing over several weeks so you know it, it yeah. can it can take long yeah so this is what anticipated. I remember being like, they were like, oh yeah, it might happen today, it might happen tomorrow. So I was like, okay, fine. So then the doctor comes in at like 9 a.m. And he's like, I'm gonna assess you. He said I was two centimeters or something. And he's like, I'm gonna see if I should break your waters. And I was like, okay, I don't know what he's doing. So he has like this long blue plastic thing. And he was just on the side. I didn't want to look, cause like, not that I'm squeamish, I just was like, yeah. Also, I think I wasn't even wearing my lenses. I was wearing glasses, and I didn't didn't see what was going on. And then suddenly, I felt a poke, and whoosh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my gosh! You told me you were gonna think about it." He's like, "Yeah, that's what I always say." <laughs> um, and and he broke them, and yeah, that was at nine a.m. And at nine fifteen a.m., I got my first contraction, and I remember doing the breathing techniques for the first about forty five minutes that I learned in my. Mm-hmm. And Tina's a class of like, and I literally remember it, and my husband laughing his head off, being like, "You're mad." I was listening to some like recording of the teacher like teaching us how to breathe, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yeah, this is like, this is like period pains. A bit worse than period pains, but I can handle this." And like, I have pretty bad period pains. Um, yeah, no, that didn't last very long. <laughs> After about an hour, I was like. Oh my gosh. So I also throughout my whole, I remember like when they talk to you about like, they don't call it birth plan, they call it birth hopes or whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. um, I remember saying, I don't want an epidural. My sister swears by them. She walks in, she's like, where's my epidural? Okay, now. <laughs> Whereas I was like, I know because I wanted to be able to walk around mm-hmm. and be do different positions and go on a birthing ball and like the things I had learned in my antenatal class. Mm-hmm. And I also... Yeah, I didn't want to, and I remember, like, she also talked, basically, she was telling us how, like, it makes you drowsy, you can get headaches, and I was like, no, I don't want to feel like this. Um, I will try, go through the pain. Like, I mm-hmm. considered myself to have a high pain threshold, but, like, obviously that goes out the window when you go through contractions. <laughs> um, you don't know what that means after that, like, as in, like, huh, out the window. Um, but it was, like, um, so, like, I started at 9.15, my contractions, and about, like, 11, I was like, oh, my God, this is 
mad like this is so painful and and I was like my husband's like you should ask for the epidural just ask for it and I was like no, I'm like, I'm like, no, no, it'll be fine. And at 11:30, I was, and then the midwife was like, she was so, she was amazing. So she was literally with me the whole time, like holding my hand, holding my arm. Really? Like I was like, I'm gonna break you. She's like, no, you're not gonna break me. I'm like, I'm gonna break your arm. She's like, I'm not. You're not. At 11:30, and this was, was not like, one of the midwives that you had seen. No, this is I a never midwife met her that's that day. working in the hospital. Yeah, till that morning I'd never met her in my life, but honestly, I remember her name. It's funny how her name is, um, her name was something I couldn't pronounce, but she's like, call me Osa, like it's short for like a long name. And I remember thinking afterwards when we named our daughter, and um, her name is Aurelia Sarah mm. Ohana, and I'm like, oh, the mm. um, initials are Osa the other way around. Mm. And like, if I ever see her again, I'll tell her. But <laughs> That's so cute. yeah. Yeah, that was not intentional. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so at eleven thirty, she was like, "Should we reassess? Should we get an epidural?" And I was like, "I think so." I was literally oh the whole time. By the way, I forgot to mention, Gaffinell was my best friend. Yes, I, we I remember nit- nitrous oxide in yeah, and it's very um, it's very widespread in the UK. They use it a mm-hmm. lot, and I think that's one of the reasons why the epidural rates are significantly lower in the UK. Yes, I literally just US. listened to your post- podcast about this like a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, yes, exactly. I didn't even know it was called nitrous oxide. We literally just call it gas now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a pump on the side of the bed, and it has like this plastic nozzle thing that you put your mouth into and like you just like squeeze it when you want the air and I remember like cracking it with my mouth (laughs) thing because they change it for each person but I was just like um like my husband that was his job he held the thing up so I could just put my mouth there whenever I wanted so I was literally using that the whole time sick makes you delirious said actual rubbish I was remember telling the doctor I was like why do you want to why did you want to do this in your life like what made you want to become an obstetrician he's like no one's ever asked me that before um yeah so so like at 11 30 I was like okay maybe we should have an epidural like this pain is just mad pregnancy and birth take a huge toll on your pelvic and abdominal organs One in every five women in the United States suffers from some form of pelvic organ prolapse. There are very few pelvic support belts for women with a prolapsed uterus, vulvar varicose veins, pubic symphysis, drop bladder, etc. that exist on the market today. The products that do exist lack in comfort and fit. That's why Braceability has made it their mission to create a supportive, effective, and comfortable pelvic brace. After months of research, development, and testing, Braceability now introduces the brand new Pelvic Pro. It's an undergarment that's created to relieve aches and pains associated with pelvic floor dysfunction through innovative compression therapy. It's designed to keep you active and on the go. The Pelvic Pro helps alleviate the feeling that everything is going to fall out of the bottom. Braceability also has a huge array of pregnancy and postpartum belly wraps to support you through pregnancy and birth, including C-section abdominal binders. Click on Braceability's link in my episode show notes and enter Happy Birthway to get an exclusive discount of 15% on your whole order. 
Having a fussy, non-stop crying baby can take all the joy out of motherhood. Is it gas? Is it constipation? Is it colic? It's hard to know, but there is a solution for all of those. Happy Tummy is a waistband that comes with an herbal pouch. When you microwave the pouch and apply the waistband to your fussy baby, your baby is instantly soothed. That's thanks to natural formulation of herbs including flaxseed, chamomile, lemongrass, peppermint, spearmint, and lavender. Happy Tummy is all natural, no drugs or drops. And not only does it quickly soothe your baby, but it smells terrific. Happy Tummy also has adult-sized waistbands, which mothers love for cramps, stomach aches, and back aches. Use my code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 10% off your whole order on HappyTummy.com. That's H-A-P-P-I-T-U-M-M-I.com. Code HAPPYBIRTHWAY for 10% off. So she's like, okay, I'll go ask the anesthetist. And she's like, oh, she came back like two minutes later. He's in theater right now. Can't Which is can't the operating you. room, yeah. Yes, sorry, yeah, operating room. So I was like, okay, fine. And then at like, I'd say like 5 to 12, mm, 10 to 12, I mean 11.50, she, she's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assess check you again. You, yeah. She's like, yeah, check you. I'm like, you're four centimetres. I was like, four, four centimetres. I have to do this more. Like, they're like an hour a centimetre, basically. I have to do this for six more hours. I'm like, okay, I definitely that anesthetist. Like, this is like not happening, mate. And I'm like, okay, fine. Then at 12, because she, she's like, oh yeah, he's not available yet. 12, she's like, why are you doing that face? And I'm like, what face? And she's like, they're doing a pushing face. I'm like, I'm doing my pain face. My face is like, I'm like in pain. Mm-hmm. She's like, hmm, okay, one second. So she's like, goes out. She comes back like five minutes later. And she's like, with a doctor, he's like, right, Tanya? He was like Italian. He's like, time to push. And I'm like, what do you mean time to push? He's like, you're 10 centimeters. I'm like, but at five to 12, I was four. And she's like, I don't know, but you're 10 now. So she checked and I'm you. Like, Who checked you? The midwife or the doctor? The midwife checked me at 5 to 12. And you were 10 centimeters. I was, no, I was Oh, I was 10 four. to 12, five you were to 4. Five, uh, yeah, 10 to 12, you were 4. And then at 5 past 12, I was 10. 15 minutes later, yeah. And you know what? I have to tell you, this is a great example of um, a, a cervical exam is just a... a, a will just tell us where you are at that moment in labor. It's not going to tell us, like you said, you know, it's going to take you six hours more to get to 10. There's no way to predict that. And if you're having hard contractions and you're still changing slowly, it doesn't mean that those contractions are not working for you. They may just be working for you faster later on. Yeah. So basically what happened is that they broke my waters and the contractions started like 15 minutes later and they were a minute apart from the get-go. They like they were so strong from the beginning. I just they built up in terms of pain, but the time was like it wasn't like half an hour between them, ten the minutes, five minutes. Was it was very close, yeah. Very quick. So I think they didn't. They wanted to induce me, but they didn't even get a chance to they basically couldn't, because right, your it wasn't were too close together. Yeah, basically, and um, they were like, "Okay, start pushing," and I'm like. And my husband was like, well, what about the epidural? He's like, and my, and my midwife was like, no time for epidural now. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, uh, yeah. So I started pushing at like between five past to 10 past 12. And she was born 12.15. Wow. Okay. You yeah. are going to have a lot of haters right now uh, I, listening uh, to oh. you. It was a first time birth. This is, this went lovely for a first time birth. I mean, I hope you're okay with the fact that you didn't get an epidural. I guess you didn't want one. Yeah, to begin with. I was so like, 
to I people was, actually like, who want one from the start yeah. like maybe was it your sister or your sister-in-law whoever? my sister my sister she yeah, may have she's been really like, angry and upset that she didn't get it if that's what she had in mind yeah so. yeah no but she goes in with like the plan of having one like give it to me now yeah. um but but sometimes what we'll have happened, patients that want it and like you said like the anesthesiologist will be in the operating room and unavailable for the next 30 minutes and then they're giving yeah. birth before and they're angry that they didn't get it yeah yeah I know somebody that happened to um but what happened was I remember those five minutes were like it felt like way longer but it was what it was and they remember I literally was so delirious from the gas and air and I was like so much pain I think my my husband tells me what happened like because I don't really remember it properly apparently the doctor was like we can do this quickly or we can do this um like we'll take longer if we do this quickly I'm gonna need to use something on you called a kiwi yeah do you know what a kiwi is that's a vacuum yeah, like and a the brand that makes it, one of the brands that make it, the popular brand is called Kiwi. So we call it a yeah. Kiwi. Yeah. It's a tiny weeny thing. Yeah. And then she's like, he's like, but I need your consent. And I'm like, I don't remember this. My husband was like, do what you said that. I said, do what you need to do. Just, I want it out. Did he explain <laughs> um, to you why you needed a vacuum? Because that's like an I intervention. I think he, he said that if we want to do it quickly you can do this i don't remember so though interesting apparently i did give my consent but i literally have no recollection like what my, so a lot of times we'll do it because the baby's in distress or because the mom's been pushing for a long time like we won't the, do I it don't. from the get-go interesting okay yeah i mean i don't know they had those monitors on my stomach the whole three hours and that was the most painful thing i was like take these things off it's I like know. having a really bad stomach <sighs> pain with belts too, on yeah. i was like why are they on they're like oh it's monitoring the baby i'm like that baby's fine take them off (laughs) but um so when it went so um so yeah so in the end they had this kiwi thing which i didn't even realize until like they gave me the baby straight away i remember like i remember learning in my um in my antenatal classes about like oh like you should ask for delayed cord clamping and skin to skin straight away to have these on your notes because you'll probably forget about it in the moment and I literally remember in those five minutes of pushing I was like please please give me delayed cord clamping please do skin to skin and they were like don't worry about that now and I was like just don't forget it (laughs) and so they gave me a straight away and I was like wait why is her head like a bit pokey like is that normal they're like oh it's from the the kiwi and I was like the what and I literally had no recollection yeah Yeah, and um so that was amazing and I remember like you know like in the movies you're always like oh waiting for the cry as soon as she was out she screamed yeah I was so relieved I was like I was like oh it it, it gave us like a bit of a taste of what was the two and a half months of colic to come but yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah she yeah and then after that like so I remember like nobody talks about the pain of afterwards of I had stitches I needed I only need one stitch Mm -hmm. but that and that like local anesthetic you call it local anesthetic like when they put like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. that was more I feel like that was more painful than the birth Mm -hmm. I was just like oh that was bad um but thank god and then yeah it was good she actually latched on straight away like from like they cleaned her up a bit and then she was on for like three hours and then yeah. is when the fun started. Um, okay, so like they took her away. They were like, oh, I'll dress her now. And I was like, okay. My husband was playing with her. And I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom because I need to go to the bathroom. Went to the bathroom. I was just like, oh my gosh, I need to like wash my face. But I was like, well, I'll do this later. Um, I came out and I was like, the midwife was there. And another midwife was there because they were like cleaning the baby. And I was like, I think I need to sit down. And they were like, okay. And then 
I fainted. Yeah. <laughs> this happens um, quite frequently. Yeah, I had passed just when I was in the bathroom, like, So they, they didn't help you in and out? Oh, my gosh, I stay near my patients for that first time, like, so close, because I'm so scared mm. about them, like, falling over the toilet and banging their head. Um, they should have done. I mean, lucky that I didn't have any issues there. Um, I had, like, really, like, it's, like, really, like, TMI, but, like, I had, like, big blood clots, like, the size of, like, a grapefruit, like, two of them. Um, when I just came out, uh, when I went to the bathroom, and then I went, and then I, so then I fainted, and then I remember telling my husband, because my husband's also really, like, nervous, I'm like, Yaakov, I'm fine, don't worry, and he was, like, I could tell that he would be really worried, I'm like, I'm good, I'm good. And then they like they literally yanked me up the two midwives and like plonked me onto the bed and i remember like them yanking me and like for a, like a month or so afterwards i had re- i had i realized i had really bad um muscular pain because they pulled a muscle between my ribs like my wow. intercostal muscles i mean i know they were trying to save me and everything mm-hmm. but i was i had to go to like i went to osteopathy for that afterwards mm-hmm. it was it was really bad and i remember like i couldn't bath my baby it was just bad well, thank God that's fine. Um, and then apparently I fainted again when I was on the bed and they like raised my legs and they gave me an I, which was good that I had an IV port already mm-hmm. in for like the anticipated epidural, but they mm-hmm. used it for like, they remember them squeezing saline into like my mm-hmm. veins or whatever yeah. it was. And I, I, I was very curious. I asked my midwife, I was like, what did my blood pressure go to? Cause I know mm-hmm. it's usually quite low. And she's like, I'm not gonna tell you. And I'm like, tell me. She's like, it went to 56. And I was Ooh. like, yeah no wonder I fainted oh, yeah but yeah that was that was mad but then did, did, um, was it the, from a postpartum hemorrhage no I what they what I gathered from what they told me is that um I normally have very low blood pressure and then when I was and then when you're pregnant you, your blood pressure always raises a bit so mine raised to normal when I was pregnant so well, as soon as I was not pregnant anymore it lowered and also all the gas and air I think it mm. lowered my blood pressure too much. It can make people nauseous. It didn't really mm. make me nauseous, but it lowered my also blood pressure. Also, getting up for the lot. first time can, yeah. you know, cause that, like, all the blood rushing, you know, from your head. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I was just curious because uh, a postpartum hemorrhage can cause that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God I didn't I didn't need um, mm-hmm. Extra. any plasma. Mm-hmm. No, thank God it was, I was really relieved. But my doctor did say he's like, if you want to go home tomorrow, Tanya, you don't, don't do this funny business again. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I wanted so much to go back to my family because they couldn't come see me because of COVID. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to go home. Like, And the UK the has like good. pretty early discharge, more so I think than the US. How long did you stay? Yeah. Um, so it was Monday. I had her at 12, 15 midday. Um, I went home 4 p.m. Tuesday. Oh, so you had a pretty, you had more than 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, I think because I was waiting for them for like four hours to do discharge papers. Uh-huh. Is, that <laughs> but, um, Is that standard? Because I don't know why I was under the impression. I mean, my guess maybe because you fainted and they wanted to look at things more c- closely. I think it I was, was just the impression like that some people go home night. six to 12 hours after they give birth in the UK. My sister-in-law went home eight hours later. I don't know how she did that. Like some people stay longer. Some people stay two days. Mm-hmm. It depends. Like mm-hmm. if you have a C-section, if yeah. there's complications, like it depends. Um, the standard is definitely one night. Usually my okay. sister-in-law, like, they asked her if she wanted to go home and she was like, sure. Um, but um, the standard is usually one night. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that was that was that. And like, thank God, I remember my midwife being like, it's your first right um and I was like yeah she's like 
what do you, what 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 did you do like tell me what you did and i was like i did a lot of ball bouncing <laughs> she's like she's so she told me like please god for next time she's like as soon as your waters break you come in straight oh, away yeah. because you are quick from when your waters break yes um so and, and typical yeah. second labors are quicker and somebody who had ha- has had a really fast labor in the past um they are much more likely to have a fast labor in the future not always but yeah. much more likely every time is different I suppose but and then one funny thing happens I remember like the next morning because they do shifts the midwives so like mm-hmm. after 8 p.m you get a new midwife and the next morning I had like it was like 6 a.m or 7 a.m I don't know before the midwife of eight o'clock would come in so one she came to like check on the baby check on me and my husband was there putting on his defilin and she's like "Ooh, you're orthodox then like she's like she was well, she wasn't Jewish and I'm and I'm like, yeah, 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 we're all the dogs. And she's like, so how many do you have at home? And I'm like, that was my first. And she's like, oh, okay. And I was like, so surprised. She was like, oh, yes, I love Israel. And I was like, okay, good to have some yeah. some good stuff yeah. there. Yeah, so um, all in all, like, I'm, thank God. I mean, everyone has different, you know, this. everyone has yeah. different experiences. But um, when you went home, yeah. when you went mm-hmm. home, um, did you have home visits from a nurse? So day three and day five, they come, the midwives come and they weigh the baby and they look at your, if you have stitches and they feel your, um, if your uterus has gone down and they look at the baby and they ask you questions and they see where the baby slept and everything. And like, if it's ventilated area, if it's like, cause the horror so stories that the midwife was like, yeah, well, this is normal. We've like, as in like, we, we do these questions because we've seen babies like sleeping in like a, a drawer, like yeah, they've yeah. seen all sorts, right? Which is great. Overall, and they, get, they just get an overall look of, of making sure that it's a safe home and that everything is yeah. functioning in order. I believe And that was every- the same midwife that I saw throughout my pregnancy. She's the one that came to my house. Right. So you already had a relationship. Yeah. yeah. I believe mm. that everyone in the U.S. standard should have like a home visiting postpartum nurse. Um, so and, and you didn't have to go to the pediatrician in those first few days. The pediatrician right? comes the day of depending what time you have the baby in the hospital right and they do a hearing test Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they do a bunch of tests um but my mom said that it's very different now than it was pre-covid post-covid pre-covid you go into the local community midwife center and you can do like lots of like like as long as you as much as you want they they, any questions that you had they would have answered they weighed the baby there and everything but now during covid everything is very different um I hope that it goes back to the way it was before. They was very, like, very involved and very much, like, the midwife is there for you. Um, mm. and, 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 like, for every step, for every question, they have, like, an open house, basically, once a week where you can come in and, like, talk to other mothers is, is, and everything. Is it, like, clinic? I, like, call the midwife, watch and call the midwife. Basically like in. that. But, yeah, this doesn't exist currently. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you know, because in the U.S., standard is one to two days after you come home from the hospital, you go to the doctor, to the pediatrician. And many right. women find it very stressful getting out and everything. Mm. And it's so nice to be able to have a nurse just come to your home and do the same things that because the things that are done in the pediatrician that day can be done at that visit can be done at home by a nurse. And if there were any issues, obviously, they you would be referred out. But even just the breastfeeding help if you need it, I think that yeah. it's so valuable it's so yeah. valuable and yeah i i realized yeah it was it's, it's really good i couldn't imagine going out of my house and i was just like all over the place they also do something called like a heel prick test on the baby yeah. mm-hmm. at the time and they inspect the we do that in the hospital site. yeah the heel yeah. prick test yeah. yeah 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 and they do what what was the second thing you said 
they inspect the umbilical cord site to see if it's okay basically yeah, yeah. and they, yeah and they look at the nappies and stuff like that mm-hmm. but yeah no, that's mm-hmm. great. That's that's amazing. I feel, I wish we had that, and I think it's also money saving because a pediatrician a pediatric visit costs a lot more money than having a visiting home nurse come to the home, and also mm. you know with the breastfeeding, helping out with that because people don't have access to easy lactation help. And and then after mm. those two visits, like if you have any questions or anything like that, is it true that like you can call and ask for more visits or call a, a nurse or a midwife? So you can after the fifth if they the the fifth day if they feel like everything is fine they discharge you and they they put you through to someone's called a health visitor which you can have like up to age five for the kid and then you can call that so she comes at like i think she came at like nine weeks or whatever it was or a bit before that um and like they came twice probably like five weeks and nine weeks or something um i could get wrong but something like that and she's not a midwife but she's what's called a health visitor and that you can be in contact with they have their number they they give you a number and you can call them for any issues that you have and that's for you and for baby yes mainly for baby there yeah yeah, yeah, but just yeah. like, you know, I don't know if you're if you're a PCI, if someone has like a laceration mm-hmm. and they're concerned mm-hmm. about healing or whatever, you know, any yeah. postpartum concerns. So they're the ones yeah. that do it, not the midwives anymore. Um, I don't think they were so concerned about me. It was more about the baby. Um, I think you could still go to call your midwife if you still had any issues. With, mm-hmm. about but standardly, that. there's no like postpartum appointment after the five days. You do go to see your GP at like four weeks. Oh, interesting. And they okay. legit only felt my belly and did a bread, a, a, um, what's it called? A, a blood pressure, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it. I suppose if you have more issues, then they would mm-hmm. have been more thorough about yeah. it. But there was yeah. no need, thank God. Thank so, yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty basic like that. But yeah, I mean, the, every system has its flaws, and definitely yeah. COVID doesn't help anything. But I managed to feel supported throughout, which was really important to me, especially since I live far away from family. Yeah. So I really wanted, like, and, I, and you're not sure, and you just, you don't know, because you, you have no clue, it's your first time, like, yeah. you don't know what to compare to. But um, I was very grateful for what the NHS did for me when I went throughout my pregnancy and what they, what they had there available for me, because, yeah, I was just, yeah, in need, so it was good. Wow, we're going to send Basically. this podcast to the NHS so that they can, you know, do publicity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's like millions of them. I doubt that I'm listening. I'm, I'm being sarcastic, you know. I had to yeah, know. yeah, cool. Wow, wow. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us and for telling us, for sharing your birth story. Um, oh, I, I'm sure a lot of people have what to gain from it and will hopefully be encouraged to advocate for themselves and to listen to their intuition and to listen to their gut and to educate themselves as much as possible and not to be scared to ask questions and to ask for appointments even if they're being rebuffed and um, thank you so much for like just you know it it was really interesting to hear about the different things the good and the bad yeah thank you so much for having me and yeah never be scared to ask questions there's no such thing as a stupid question and it's all for the best, don't I? <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thanks for tuning into the Happy Birthway Podcast. Head over to Yolwedit Academy on Instagram to continue the conversation. You'll find the link in the episode show notes, as well as links to any additional resources, products, and services mentioned here. If you love listening to this show, you can help it grow by sharing it with your friends and rating and reviewing it. 
To stay in the loop when new episodes are released, make sure to subscribe. Remember that your health needs are unique and require individualized medical advice. The podcast is not a replacement, and some of the information may not be appropriate for your specific circumstances. My mission is to educate you so that you can confidently collaborate with your healthcare team. I believe that a healthy mom and healthy baby are simply not enough. We also need a happy mom with an empowering birth experience.